0: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: A warm up the low. Welcome to the lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson And now a part of these family podcasts and got a tremendous podcast for you today. As joining me in the first segment, we've got Matt Josephs, a.k.a. Mid-Major Matt. He does a terrific job of looking at so many different things. A tremendous handicapper that takes a look at the MOB, college basketball. Many of you guys know him from his work over there at Athlon Sports taking a look at college football as well, so guy does a little bit of everything, and the reason why I really wanted to get him on the podcast is not only does he do K-Pops, but I remember him joining the podcast last year saying that he wound up placing like nine different bets for baseball because obviously you've got like first five totals, first five spreads, you wind up having obviously just your traditional money line and total, but on top of that he takes a look at so many different props i mean i forget the first five he does some first three inning bets as well so this is a guy that does a great job of just taking a look at so many ways to be able to bet baseball so we're going to be getting his thoughts there we're going to get his thoughts on just how he's had to adjust some of his k-props throughout the season take a look at a few games for wednesday and it's going to be a lot of fun so looking forward to having matt on in the second segment and then in the final segment Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday. As we touch them all, first things first. Always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast, and you do have one of two ways we all those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind, letters yeah. M. it does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated them from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Really didn't get in a lot. Of questions today, but what we did wind up getting is a lot of baseball on Tuesdays. We wound up having three double headers and just lots of action in general. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find the trends and Try to get to know that he seems a little bit better.
0: Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap.
4: Out of the three double-headers, we did wind up seeing one sweep, though. The Dodgers did not wind up covering the run line on both of these, as in the first game, it was 7-6. to Dodgers wound up being able to get it done. Tyler Gilbert, not a good start for Arizona. He wound up giving up six runs on five and two-thirds innings, including four bombs, so... A man that wound up throwing a no-hitter last season did not look to be in that format. It's Justin Turner down for what his third home run of the season. Trey Turner down for what his second home run of the season. Mookie Betts, his eighth of the campaign, and Will Smith got jiggy with it for his third home run of the season. From there, the bullpen was relatively solid. JB Wendell Ken does wind up giving up a run and two outside the bullpen, but you will do wind up having Caleb Smith and Kyle Nelson be able to give you one and two-thirds innings scoreless. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you did wind up having a pair of home runs in this one. Alec Thomas, his second home run season. And Christian Walker off of Ryan Papoy winds up getting his eighth of the campaign for Papoy. He winds up giving up three runs over the course of four innings. Justin rule was able to give you four outs out of the bullpen. Evan Phillips, the scoreless inning, and Alex Vc and out of the bullpen. But Mitch White did wind up giving up one of those home runs as well. Giving up a solo home run over the course of one and a third innings. And Craig Kimbrell strikes out the side but gives up a run in the ninth inning that winds up causing the run line and did wind up having an intentional buck that wound up causing for a little bit of that as well as the Dodgers were afraid of sign stealing which that's a discussion for another day but that certainly is very fascinating and then in game two well it was all Dodgers 12 to 3 the final is Merrill Kelly his nickname in this game should have been Hickory because he got smoked he got six outs and he gave up eight runs of which were earned including a home run to Mr. Edwin Rios who got his fourth home run of the season Caleb Smith, who threw in the first game, he had to come back and throw three innings in the second game, and three scoreless innings, so give him credit. He was able to lower his ERA quite a bit in this one. Edwin, you said it from there. Gives up four runs three which were earned over the course of three innings, and Christian Walker is nailing bombs right now. Ninth home run season, he goes deep off of Tyler Anderson, and Anderson gives one up to Jordan Luplo as well. His fifth of the season, both game in the first setting. so the Diamondbacks got up two to zero, and then they got outscored 12 to one as Anderson, after those two home runs, settled down, going seven innings, giving up those two solo runs Phil Bickford was able to give you a scoreless setting in. and answer Alberto position player gives up a one run over the course of his inning of work why they wound up having him throw I have absolutely no idea but it is what it is in the White Sox versus Royals double ladder, the White Sox were able to get game one that by a count of three to zero still in cease. He made the Royals DC send for the Royals. It was just a case in which they had opportunities and they couldn't cash in on any of them. Five and two thirds innings, he does get nine strikeouts, but gives up seven hits and two walks And for the Royals in this game. 0-of-12 with runners in scoring position. So they came up snake eyes. Bennett Sosa-wise giving it out of the bullpen. And then Joe Kelly, Jose Ruiz, Leo i all give you a scoreless setting. And for the Kansas City Royals, John Easley, not a great start, not a terrible one. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. Joel Pamps was able to give you three scoreless settings. And then Amir Garrett, a scoreless inning, But just not a lot doing with the guards of ben. And for the Royals, it's not like they got a ton of offense. But they got just enough to be able to get the job done in game two by kind of 2-1 to one as for the White Sox. That's wound up going very, very silent in this one. It's Brady Singer, who I'm not sure why he wasn't getting starts before. Nine punch outs, seven scoreless settings. He looked terrific. Colin Snyder does give up a run out of the bullpen in an inning, but Josh Stamount is able to give you a scoreless setting. And you did wind up having a little bit of a deep fly in this one from the backup catcher, and MJ Melendez. He was able to get his first arm of the season. That winds up coming off of the relatively solid bullpen piece of the White Sox and Tanner Banks, who wound up going two innings, giving up one run. It was Davis Martin, the former Texas Tech Red Raider, that wound up getting his first career start in not bad. Seven strikeouts gives up one run over the course of five innings. Kyle Crick was able to give you a scroll of inning as well, but just snake eyes for the White Sox at the plate. So they wind up splitting that doubleheader. You wind up seeing the Mets get game one of their doubleheader against the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of three to one. And much like what we wind up seeing in the Royals and White Sox double dip, both of these games would wind up going under the total as Paul Goldschmidt in game one, would wind up getting the lone run for the St. Louis Cardinals. Fifth home run of the campaign as Cardinals had some opportunities. that could not capitalize Trevor Williams. Four scoreless settings. He winds up punching out six. From there, you do wind up having Jake Reed give you two scoreless settings. The home run was given up by Drew Smith in his ending of work, but Seth Lugo, Edwin Diaz, they're both able to give you a scoreless inning. And for the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michael, a solid start, was hurt by a fielding error. Gives up three runs, two of which over the course of six innings, and then Packy, Naughton, and Nick Wickren. They combined for two scoreless innings, but the Cardinals would get their revenge in game two, four to 4-3 the final. Steven Matsu has been all over the place. Went up against his former team, and he did wind up giving up a pair of home runs, but both were of the solo variety. Eduardo Escobar, second home run season, Marcana, winds up being able to get his third, so not a bad start there. Genesis Cabrera and Andre Pellanti were able to give you two scoreless settings between the two of them. Ryan Elsley, Giovanni Yagos. They come in. Elsley gives up an underrun. Yagos a clean inning, and for the Cardinals, they do wind up stranding 12 men on base. As for Taiwan Walker, he was dealing with a lot of base runners. He gives up three runs over the course of five innings, giving up seven hits in the process. But you do wind up getting two and two-thirds scoreless out of Adonis Medina, who's actually been very solid here. for the Mets. You do wind up getting a pair of outs out of the bullpen from both Adam Montavino and Joey Rodriguez, with Rodriguez giving up an unearned run along the way. In terms of the games that did not wind up involving doubleheaders, the Reds wound up getting another win, and now they have played 16 out of their last 20 games over the total. And, hey, in this stretch, they've been able to go 7-4 and four in their last 11 games. 5-4, to four, the Reds wind up getting it done. In 10 innings, Connor Overton, another very good start for the Reds. Looks like he might be their most trustworthy starter at this point. Two runs given up in seven to third innings. The bullpen was a little bit rough. Tony Santian winds up giving it out of the bullpen, but then Art Warren in the ninth inning winds up allowing a bomb to Owen Miller, his fourth home run of the season that allowed this game to go to extras. As for the Guardians, Zach Policek, not a bad start here. Does wind up giving up two runs over the course of six innings, including a home run to Dalar Naquin, his third home run of the season, but then he did wind up having Trevor Steven. Give up a run in an ending. Emmanuel Clause winds up giving up a run in his ending It's Royal Brian Shaw winds up giving it a scoreless inning. and Nick Samlin. One under run given up with the ghost runner on second base. He winds up taking the loss. And for the Cincinnati Reds, Alexis Diaz has really been the most bullpen piece for this team as he winds up striking out the side, he used twenty-three pitches, and now has a zero fifty-two ERA. He might not be able to come back for Wednesday, but certainly has been a bright spot for a team that hasn't had too many of them. The Atlanta Braves, they were able to get a very big bright spot from Tucker Davidson. Five scoreless settings from him as they wind up being able to blank the Brewers by a count of three to zero. You wind up having from there Colin McHugh and Will Smith get jiggy with it for a pair of scoreless innings AJ Minter, Kenley Jansen, scoreless innings out of them. And for the Atlanta Braves, they wound up getting Rod Lacuna Jr. back in this one. Wound up having a stolen base, and for Marcel Zuna, he wound up having the big hit in this one. Winds up getting his sixth home run season. That comes out for Brad Boxberger gives up two runs in an inning. Trevor got Brett Suter both scoreless innings, and Adrian Auser is the textbook definition of a tough luck loser. Six innings pitch gives up one and run due to a Mark also fielding air, so that wasn't too terrific, and the Milwaukee Brewers left 10 men on base, so they went scoreless, so you got to feel for Adrian Owser on that one, and you got to feel for anyone that went taking the under in this one, 8-1. to The Tampa Bay Rays are able to get the job done thanks to being able to get two runs in in the ninth inning for that over as Bo Briski. He wound up having a rough start in this one, giving up six runs over the course of five and a third innings, including a pair of bombs as Brett Phillips gets his fourth home run season, and then Kevin Kiermeyer is fourth, and then Will Vest in the eighth inning gives one up to Randy Arrozarena, his second home run season for Vest lines up giving up those two runs while getting just two outs. Jason Foley and Joey Jimenez were able to combine for a pair of scoreless innings, and lone run for the Tigers came in the fifth inning. Javier Candelario goes deep off of Shane McClain, and third home run season for McClain, and Another terrific start, giving up one run over the course of seven innings. And for McClanahan, he has now allowed two runs or fewer in five out of his last six starts. Has really been able to get it going. And Ruff Gaza Jr. was able to give you two scoreless innings for them to be able to get the job done. You did wind up seeing the Oakland A's be able to get a win over the Minnesota Twins by kind of five to two. Just the sixth time in the last 23 games that the Oakland A's exceeded three runs. As For the Minnesota Twins, Dylan, don't call me Al Bundy. was not long for this one. Wound up just coming off the injured list. Three scoreless innings out of him. And then Josh Winder wound up being the boat guy, and he looked like a fish out of water. Pitched for three and two-thirds innings, giving up five runs, including a bomb going deep. For Oakland, you wind up having Kevin Smith get his second home run of the season from their kill. Theobar was able to give you four outside the bullpen, and for the Minnesota Twins, they were once again without Byron Buxton in this one. He has been dealing with injuries all season long, but Gary Sanchez, fourth home run season off of James Caprillion. Caprillion also gives one up to Royce Lewis. His second home run season for Caprillion gives up two solo home runs over the course of five and a third inning. so solid there. And then you do wind up having Denny Jimenez along Zach Jackson combined for three scoreless innings in Sam Ball Gives you a pair of. Out of the bullpen for an Oakland A's pen that currently is in the top five with regards to ERA. The San Francisco Giants have now scored at least 6 runs in 7 out of their last 8 games. I stupidly took the under in this one. 10-7. They wind up taking out the Colorado Rockies as for the Giants. Tommy LaSalle was able to get his first home run season off of Chad Cool, a leadoff home run, and that set the tone for this one as the Giants wind up going 6-16 of with Ben in scoring position and for Alex Cobb, gets a win while giving up 7 runs in 5 third innings, which that almost just looks like a misprint. He did wind up giving up a home run to Randall Gritchick 5th home run season. Gritchick now has 20 one RBI, by the way. He's putting together a nice season. And for Chad Cool, six runs, five over to earn, give it up in three innings. And for the Rockies, congratulations to them. They currently own the worst bullpenny area in the, the big leagues, only one that is five plus. Yuli Shasin gives up two runs at in two innings. Justin Lawrence gives up two runs at in an inning. Robert Stevenson, Alex Kalme, Lucas Gilbreth. I'll able to give you a scoreless setting and the Giants. They've had some bullpen shakiness as well, but not on this side. Tyler Rogers, Dominique Leon, Camilo Duval I'll give you a scoreless settings, and John Breba was able to give you a pair of outs of the bullpen as well. The Walker, Texas Rangers wind up putting up a touchdown in the eighth inning to take down the LA Angels. 10-5 to five, the finalists. Reed Detmers was coming off of his no-hitter, and he did not wind up having a no-hitter in this one. Gave up three runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings, including a pair of jacks. You wound up having Cole Calhoun be able to get his fourth home run season, and Corey Seager... Is eighth, but it's really the bullpen that wound up costing the team late. Ryan Tappero has been relatively solid for the LA Angels this season. Gives up five runs and got as many outs as myself. Undid good work done by Alvaro Ortega, Aaron Loop, and Kyle Bericlaw. That combined for three and a third inning scoreless as you wound up having Cesar Valdez have to come into this one two runs, one of which was earned over the course of his inning, and he is now 37 years old and still coming out of the bullpen, so credit to him for still getting those paychecks, but he did wind up having a trio of home runs for the Angels as well, as Taylor Hearn wound up allowing one to Anthony Rendon, fifth home run season, Taylor Ward his ninth, and then you'd have Brett Martin serving up to Mike Trout, his tenth of the season. For Martin, he winds up giving up just that one run in his inning, and for Taylor Hearn, not been a good year from five forty-six ERA gives up those three runs over the course of four innings, including two bombs, but Matt Moore, now sub two ERA of the bullpen, two scoreless settings, Dennis Santana gives you a scoreless inning as well, and then Josh Shorbidge winds up giving up a run in an inning, but with that Rangers eighth inning. He had more than enough cushion to be able to get the job done. For the Yankees, they wind up now extending their win streak to 20-3 and three in their last 23 games. So they could not cover the run line as as Chapman has now given up at least one earned run in each out of his last four appearances, 5-4 to four the final. For Chapman, he was hurt by Joey Gallo out there in the field. He probably should not have been credited with this run. Probably shouldn't have been in that spot as well, but still, that was honestly too great. But Jameson Tyon isn't necessarily too terrific either. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including a home run to Mr. Roman Urias, his second home run season for the Yankees. You did have Michael King just continue to be tremendous out of the bullpen. Three scoreless innings with six punchouts, so that was great. And for the Yankees, all of nine with men in scoring position, Aaron Judge does wind up going deep twice in this one. Thirteenth and fourteenth home runs of the season. To put this into perspective, I believe that the Tigers have 17 home runs as a team, as he wanted going deep off of Spencer Watkins, who gave up two runs over the course of four innings, and then Joey Creeble, who gave Gave up that sole run in an inning. Dylan Tate gives up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of one and two-thirds innings. CNL you know, Perez gives you an out out of the bullpen. And then you do wind up having Logan Gillespie be able to give you two scoreless innings as well as the Orioles now on the run line have actually been rock solid at home. 10-5, and five, so that has been something to be able to take a look at. Houston Astros after they wound up losing to the Boston Red Sox on Monday. Boy, were they angry as they put up a nine spot in the second inning, 13-4, to four, the finalists. Let's just read these off. You wound up having Cole Tucker get his 6th and 7th home runs of the season. Yuli Gurriel's 3rd home run season. Alvarez Alvarez's 12th home run season. Jeremy Pena's 7th home run season. Michael his 3rd home run season. And I think Dusty Baker wound up going yard in this one as well. It's Nathan Eovaldi gives up 5 home runs and got 5 outs. You don't find it very often where a pitcher goes north of an inning and gives up as many home runs as he gets outs. 9 runs, 6 of which were earned From there, you do wind up having four runs, three of which were earned, given up by Tyler Danish in two and a third innings. To the credit of the rest of the bullpen, they were able to hold down the Ford as Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, Jake Diekman, Austin Davis, Eta Mota all wind up giving you a scoreless inning, but not great for the Red Sox as the Red Sox do get a pair of home runs of their own off of Jose Utikiti as Rafael Devers gets his seventh home run season and JD Martinez his fifth. Utikiti winds up giving up those two home runs and gave up 12 hits over the course of five innings, including four runs, but the Astros still wind up winning. I got a thirteen to four, as you do wind up having Blake Taylor give you a scroll ascending, and Seth Martinez has been very good in a long roll. Three scroll of out of him. The Chicago Cubs were able to hold the Pittsburgh Pirates silent as they wind up getting a seven to zero win. JT Burbaker and we're going to be talking about Cubs strikeout props a little bit later on. You got 10 punch outs. He got ten punch-outs. punchouts. Ron Woods he gave up six runs, four of which were earned over the course of five plus innings as going deep off of him. Jonathan VR first home run season, and then a little bit later on you would get the first home run of the career of Christopher Morell young 22-year-old winds up getting his first career bomb. He winds up being able to launch that off of Chase Young who winds coming in for two innings just gives up that one home run. Anthony Banda and out out of the bullpen, but for Keegan Thompson has been very rock solid for the Cubs in both a starting role and a bulk role. Winds up, lowering 0 to a buck 41, five scoreless innings. Daniel Norris was able to give you an out out of the bullpen and Brandon Hughes Major League debut. One and two-thirds innings scoreless before. Failed starter Mark Leiter comes in, and he didn't lighter this game on fire. Two scoreless settings up. Solid by him. You did wind up seeing also the Seattle Mariners get blanked by the Toronto Blue Jays. 3-0 to zero the final. Logan Gilbert, not a bad start here. Gives up three runs over the course of seven innings. Was hurt a little bit by his fielding in this one, even though the errors were not necessarily noted. Penn Murphy does wind up giving a scoreless setting as well, but for Mr. Jose Barrios, his best start of the season. Seven scoreless settings from there, David Phelps and Adam Simber were able to give you a scoreless settings. so the Toronto Blue Jays, despite the offense not necessarily being online, they're now 20-17, and 17, as this is a Blue Jays bunch that they have scored now three runs or fewer in six out of their last ten games, and yet they're still finding a way to be able to get the job done. Finding a way to get the job done as well, they slam Diego Padres. They wind up being able to take down the Philadelphia Phillies 3-0. Zach Eflin comes off of the COVID IL, and did not look bad in this one. Gives up one run over the course of six innings. From there, the bullpen, not good. Ann gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And Nick Nelson, two scoreless innings, but James Norwood gives up two runs and gets just one out and for the Phillies, nothing doing on offense. How about Mike Clevenger with five scoreless innings? And then Mackenzie Gore comes in in a bulk roll. Punches out four, three scoreless innings out of him before Tyler Rogers winds up getting his 14th save of the season. Rogers has been about as locked down as it gets. And then you had a pretty good lockdown by the Miami Marlins. They wind to take down the Washington Nationals by a count of five to one for Yuan Adon. This was actually a good start for him. He winds up giving up just one run over the course of four and two-thirds innings, but now in his eight starts, he is one and seven, and in all seven of his losses, the Washington Nationals have lost by at least three runs. So that's not necessarily too terrific. Steve Ciszek, he gives up a run in one and a third inning, so that's Ramirez two runs, one of which was earned, given up in his inning, and Paul Espino winds up giving up a run in an inning as the Miami Marlins wound up getting a pair of bombs off of Adon. You had Miguel Rojas get his second home run of the season, and then you did wind up having A. Sanchez, get his fourth of the season off of Steve Ciszek as Cody Potit winds up getting his first start of the season. Lowers his ERA to a 0.43. This guy has been great in long relief. Wound up making a couple starts last season. Four and two-thirds hanging scoreless. You wound up having from there Anthony Bender give you a scoreless inning. Steven Okert coupled with Tanner Scott. Goodbye for two scoreless settings. Anthony Bass does wind up giving up a run and an inning. But Cole Solzer able to close the door. Get the final two outs of the game in the Washington Nationals. Well, things not going great for them as they are now 12-26 and and Things are now looking a little bit more even. When it comes to overs and unders, you take a look at what we've gotten for the season, no question. Unders still are reigning supreme as we've got for the season, 272 unders, 230 overs. So 54.2% to the under. But that said, you take a look at what we've been able to get over the last seven days. And we've seen this iron out. 40 overs, 39 unders. That's as close to 50-50 as you're able to get. And then underdogs. They have been pretty solid the last week. 38 and 48 straight up. And among the 48 wins... For our favorites, only 36 have been by multiple runs to be able to cover the run line, so 12 one-run wins out of them, and you just take a look at the season to date. Home favorites have just not been covering the run line too much. Home favorites, they're 137 and 204 when laying a run and half, even though they've won straight up 202 times, so what that tells you is that we have had 65 instances in which a own favorite has won by approximately one run. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up seeing on Tuesday. Now let's turn the page forward to Wednesday. Let's get a little bit of prop talk, and let's just talk about alternate ways to be able to bet baseball with our good friend, mid-major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs. That chat is coming up next. Right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the and Podcast.
8: Yeah, I, yeah, because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard, he don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the Olympics,
1: <laughs> he's gonna guard and then on I'll top of it.
9: Like that, see that?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella. to point game. I remember you came to my room crying. Tears, <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he
8: was in a culture shock and then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember
6: what so, I told you? I said I said, Oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Easton Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guests as one of the best at being able to take a look at player props in all of baseball, in my opinion, and this name might sound familiar because it's a mid-major name, it's Mid-Major Matt. He does an absolutely terrific job taking a look at a wide variety of things. I know that last year at Eflon Sports, he wanted up doing a great job with his college football previews. He's doing a great job this time of year when it comes to being able to take a look at player props just All across what we're seeing in Major League Baseball, and then on top of that, with the name "Mid Major Matt," you know that this guy does a great job with regards to college basketball as well. And able to follow him easy enough on Twitter at Mid Major Matt, aka Matt Josephs, joining me right here on the podcast. And Matt, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you.
10: Yeah, no problem. Good to talk to you. Yeah, about a month into the baseball season, it's uh, already been an interesting one, that's for sure.
4: Oh, absolutely, and I remember having Ariel Epstein, who does a terrific job at MLB Network with their new show, and she was talking about it with me a few weeks ago that you and her have been doing a great job with regards to taking a look at player props this year, but you two have both had to do a little bit of adjusting. What has been different this year with regards to gauging player props than in past years with just the low scoring that we've been seeing?
10: Well, and I think that it all started at the beginning of the season when, you know, we had the disjointed spring training and you had a lot of starting pitchers that basically only went three, four, five innings and the books were pricing their K props out early like they were actually going to go normal lengths. Case in point, I remember the opening day when Shane Bieber took on the Royals. And he only went four-ish innings because he didn't go law in spring training a lot and they priced him out like a normal start. It was one of the easy wins that we had. And now as the season's going along, we're starting to see teams that let their pitchers go a little bit longer. One of the things that we've decided to do this year, with regards to K Prop, is we create a database of basically every team has its own little sheet, and every team has a list of all the starting pitchers they face, whether they're righties, lefties, how long, and things like that. And we've as many, if not all, of the over-unders. So if there's a team that's on an under streak right now, if there's a team that's on an over streak, and it really kind of helps out, give you a visual- visualization as to what we're kind of dealing with, because this is a tough market. And if you're not careful, you're opening up like, you know, eight or nine tabs on your computer, and it gets kind of jumbled. Well, this document has all of this stuff all in one place.
4: I'm right there with you. I think that it has been interesting to take a look at it because now starters are going their normal length. This is what you typically wind up finding, but it took a few starts for guys to be able to get there. I still remember to your point that Shane Bieber start. That was something that I was taking a look at as well, being like, man. Why didn't he wind up going five innings? His pitch count wasn't necessarily too high. We all remember that near perfect game that Clayton Kershaw wound up having, but he got pulled after seven. So I do think that that was something to take a look at. But even despite all this, scoring has still been relatively down leg wide. I think that it's very fair to question the equipment that is being used right now and a little bit of the umpiring as well. But how have you had to make adjustments with regards to this? Because it's just been a very strange season in that the batting averages aren't necessarily down by a wide range. It's just that the fly balls, is a home run rate. Right? The home runs. Wait out.
10: Some of that is they've been tinkering with the baseballs, and once again, Rob Manfred's just making these little changes that aren't helping, and I fully expect maybe after the All-Star break once again, kind of like last year, we start seeing a lot more runs because more eyeballs will be on the sport, and, and not to mention it's going to start getting hotter. There's going to be days where it's 80 degrees and no wind, 90 degrees and no wind in some places, so I think we'll start to see the runs show up a little bit, but I just wish that the commissioner and that these things would stop messing around with the baseballs, the bats, the, the shifts, and things like that And just let these guys play baseball and kind of just let the game flourish as it would
4: naturally. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And it's a case in which if Major League Baseball told us, all right, we're going to deaden the baseball a little bit. We're going to utilize something a little bit different. I think that players and fans universally would probably be willing to accept it a little bit more rather than having it be done in secret. Because Major League Baseball owns Rawlings, who winds up producing all these baseballs. And you hear from players that it's like hitting tube socks that are wet and things like that. It's just absolutely hilarious to hear what they're talking about as well with regards to this as we do. have been Major Matt joining me on the podcast. And Matt, I know that you're out there in the great state of Pennsylvania, more specifically Philadelphia. And what have you made out of the Phillies thus far this season? Because they did wind up having that nice win streak in Los Angeles, unfortunately, went down in a fiery heap on Sunday. And then you wind up seeing on Tuesday, Zach Efflin returns. And, it did sell, out, but the offense hadn't been able to get things going because I take a look at this Phillies team and I think that they've got loads of upside, but I think it's just the same thing that we've been saying time and time again about the Phillies. What are we going to be able to get out of the bullpen?
10: I remember several times on your show last year I talked about it. one of the best bets in baseball is to live bet the run line against the Phillies when they go up three or four runs I mean case in point that Mets game when they blew a seven to one lead or uh, whatever that lead was it, I had the Mets plus four and a half I wasn't daring enough to take the Mets money line but I mean it's been one of the best bets once again the Phillies get a big lead it starts to tighten things up if they played all 162 games on the road they'd be a really good team apparently they just can't win at home um, I think their lineup issues are basically they have a lot of guys who are all or nothing but there's a lot of home run hitters. And as you said, in baseball nowadays, the home run is just not being used as much. And you've got Castellanos, you've got Schwarber, you've got Bryce Harper, who's dealing with an injury that's pretty serious. And and we'll see if how much longer he can do it. Thank God for the for the DH. The starting pitching is there. You know, Eflin looked really good on Tuesday against the Padres coming off the COVID list. Zach Wheeler finally looks like Zach Wheeler. Aaron Nolo looks like the ace we thought he is. So the starting pitching there and, you know, Sir Anthony Dominguez as a high leverage reliever is really good. And Corey Kniebel is not a bad closer for the most part outside of that Dodger game, but like they still have to kind of fix the eighth inning. Darius Familia is not the answer. Brad Hand, probably not the answer. If Dave Dombrowski can go out there and get some relievers for the middle of this bullpen and their hitting starts getting more consistent, they can you know win a wild card. They can make the playoffs. Until then, though, I just think they're going to be in a lot of inconsistent contests.
4: Yep, and I think that there's a lot of questions with both teams are going to be taking the field in Philadelphia on Wednesdays. It's going to be Phillies versus Padres, and as I'm seeing it right now, Padres in a lot of spots right around a plus 125 to a plus 135. I would need a little bit more to take a shot on them. As they're facing up against the Phillies with Zach Wheeler going, I was taking a look at one of my angles was these guys that wound up having disrupted spring training, not being able to get – their full allotment of innings. Zach Wheeler was one of those guys. First couple starts were bad. Ever since he's been able to get into form, he has been tremendous. And now he's going up against a guy in Blake Snell that literally is not throwing a pitch on a major league mound this season. Just like literally minutes before he was supposed to make his first start in Arizona, he wound up getting some sort of a strain. Wound up keeping him out for a little bit over a month. And it's one of those cases in which I think that the Phillies are starting to get a little bit too lofty at minus 145. But, I don't know about you, but I want absolutely no part of Blake Snell here.
10: Yeah, I usually if, try to fade guys coming off of the IL in some extent, or I just isolate the first five. If you really like Snell, you're going to play the first five. Although the Padres bullpen came up large today, uh, excuse me, on Tuesday against the Phillies. So, you know, the thing that I like to look at here, and it'll be interesting to see when the number comes out. And by the time the podcast comes out, the numbers still probably won't be out. But Wheeler's K-Prop is going to be an interesting one. The Padres have had a nice long stretch. Ten of their last 13 games, they've gone over the K-Prop that's been posted. Um, They are averaging almost 5.5 strikeouts against right-handed starting pitchers, which means the number will probably be five and a half. And we just talked about Wheeler looks like the guy that was the Cy Young last year, was the guy that, you know, did all sorts of good stuff for the Phillies last year. I think that you might want to look at maybe a Wheeler K-Prop over because this is a Padres lineup that is striking out a ton this season.
4: Yeah, but I think very important is to know what Blake Snell wound up doing on the road last season, 250 ERA at home, north of a six ERA on the road. He had some of the most demonstrative splits of anyone that I wound up seeing in Major League Baseball last season and really over the last few years as well as we do have Mid-Major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs joining me on the podcast and I do think that that one's going to be intriguing and Well, there's going to be no shortage of great pitching in the National League on Wednesday because you've got one of the better matchups that we're going to be seeing this season. Max Freed, Corbin Burns going in this Braves versus Brewers game. And we saw it the first time around. I very rarely like taking those six-half unders. I wound up doing so the first time around in Burns versus Freed. That one wound up hitting. I don't know if I'm going to be daring enough to try it a second time because Milwaukee a little bit more hitter friendly, but I do take a look at the spot with the Brewers being a minus 140 favorite as long as you wind up having Devin Williams and Josh Shader and I think that that's a very, very big key in this one in the bullpen for the Brewers. You have a little bit of a shot here, certainly a case in which I think that both of these guys in Freedom burns are going to be rock solid, but I think so much of the handicap of this game comes down to who the Brewers wind up utilizing in the bullpen on Monday and Tuesday, turning it forward to Wednesday.
10: Yeah, it's really funny how we handicappers work, you know, six and a half is a number we all kind of like cringe at but seven and a half we're like eh, that's okay you know that's pretty good and it's only one run difference but you're right like i see these six and a halves and i've actually started doing first three inning bets uh, some of the sports books online have first three inning bats, and i like to do that when there's starting pitchers that are really strong the first time through the order but for this game i'm going to guess it's going to be one and a half usually it's two and a half and it, and it's funny because once again there's that one run difference that I'm like, if it's two and a half, I'm jumping on it. If it's one and a half, I have to think about it, but you know how it goes. Let's say an error, a walk, and a home run, and we're at three runs, and we're almost at that six and a half or the the one and a half over there, so I do think it's interesting. These two teams did just play, as you said, and by the way, the Braves strike out a ton. They are averaging 5.32 strikeouts against right-handed starting pitching so far this season. They had seven strikeouts in six innings against Corbin Burns. The number was seven and a half that day, and it's funny because, much like the NBA and much like the NFL and all these other places, books make you pay an extra premium on the superstars. They know that the common person who doesn't do necessarily a lot of research sees Corbin Burns in his strikeout prop. They just assume he goes over every time. Well, that's not the case. And clearly in this case, it was seven and a half and he had seven. So that's something to kind of look at here is what kind of number are you going to get and how much confidence do you have that a Braves team that has struck out a ton so far this season continues to do so.
4: Yeah, it's been so interesting to be able to take a look at both of these guys all season long because with Max Freed, I noticed it with him last year too. Wound up having two to three bad starts, kicked it into full gear from there. Now he's been looking rock solid. And in that one game that I wound up taking under with Burns versus Fried, won the very rare six halves I've taken under all season long. That wound up getting there. And another team that I've been willing to take a couple six-half unders on has been the Miami Marlins. This is a total of 7.5, and and I'm thinking that we're probably going to get a 7 when it's all said and done because right now the juice on 7.5, minus 125, minus 130, so I think that a couple 7s are going to pop. But Pablo Lopez, Josiah Gray, going in this Washington Nationals versus Miami Marlins game, and this is a case in which Pablo Lopez has been tremendous this year. Bucko 5 ERA doing a good job of being able to mow them down. And Josiah Gray, he's got some good swing and miss in him as well. A little bit of a raw guy. He needs to do a better job of being able to not give out as many free passes to be able to allow himself to go a little bit deeper in games. But this is a little bit of a sneaky good matchup that I'm sure that you're going to have a little bit of an eye on with regards to possible K-props as well.
10: Yeah, and this is a potential first three under, although it's going to probably be a one and a half. Um, I have to look and see what Gray's first time through the order. As we know how strong Pablo Lopez is, but you do mention it back on April 26th. Josiah Gray had 10 strikeouts at home against uh, the Marlins. And the Marlins are a team that strike out a ton. They're averaging 5.3 overall this season, 4.9 against right-handed starting pitchers, 6.4 against left-handed starting pitchers. So clearly when you see a left-handed starting pitcher going against the Marlins, you're going to want to look at their K prop over, but you're right. I mean, the number's probably a little too expensive. I would never give out the minus 185 because I just don't believe in that sort of thing. But like minus 185 with Pablo Lopez and a, a, a shaky, bullpen, I would say, for Miami. The problem is the Nats offense is terrible. Na- Nelson Cruz has not done what they expected him to. Outside of Juan Soto, Josh Bell has been really good. Yadiel Hernandez was really good. But other than that, the Nats have a ton of easy outs in that lineup. So I wish I could say, oh, I'll take the Nats plus the run line here and feel comfortable. But I don't know how they're going to score a lot of runs in this one. Maybe you look at like a Nats team total under here, but then once again, you're looking at that shaky bullpen for Miami coming into play.
4: And to your point with Washington Nationals and Juan He's got eight home runs and eleven RBI right now. I that just shows that nobody's getting on base for whatever he winds up going yards. So he's on base to set a record for fewest RBI with like twenty five plus home runs, which I do think is somewhat sad and hilarious at the same time. As we do have mid major Matt, aka Matt Josephs, joining me on the podcast. And Matt, when it comes to what we've all got. With regards to the betting board for Wednesday, is there any games that we haven't hit upon that you're going to be taking a look at, whether it be for any sort of first five, whether it be a K prop or just anything else in between? Since I know that you have found a lot of different ways to be able to get down action rather than just the basic side and total and do a great job of be able to diversify there. But is there anything else that you're really looking at for Wednesday?
10: So I'll say this, um, you know, last year when I, when I was on with you, we talked about, or at least I brought up the, the K-Prop unders for opponents in Coors Field. The books have done a great job, sadly, of closing up that loophole. They've put out a bunch of two and and a half and three and a half. So it's been too low to even take. And so naturally they're starting to go over now. The other thing that to, to kind of look at, especially when it comes to K-Props, the Chicago Cubs. Have been a fascinating story when it comes to this season. Because over the first couple weeks, uh, from the 7th to the 27th, they went over their K-pop just three times. with some decent pitchers there. There was Burns, there was Peralta, there was Woodruff, there was some other guys like that. Since then, since April 28th, they have actually gone under their K-pop just twice. And it's been really fascinating to see this Cubs lineup and how much they are free swinging. Ten strikeouts by JT Brubaker Tuesday, which is pretty ridiculous. You look at this list, Castellanos had five. You look at Zach Davies had six. Some of these other guys, Henderson had seven for the Dodgers. He's not exactly a strikeout pitcher. So you could potentially look at, depending upon the number, what Mitch Keller is going to bring to this whole thing, because Mitch Keller does have a little bit of strikeout potential for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Of course, if the wind's blowing out, that's another factor here, and that could certainly change things. But the Chicago Cubs have been the most free swinging team the last couple of weeks here. So if you're somebody who delves into the K props, certainly take a look at the over against the Cubs, because that's been hitting at an alarming rate. Lately.
4: And I will never forget Mitch Keller for the fact that in 2020, he wound up having two no-hit starts. And in that time span, he wound up not being able to get the win in either of those because he wanted to combined 11 innings. He wound up, to your point, doing a good job of being able to mow them down, but had 10 walks in those 11 innings as well while giving up zero hits. And that time span. So Mitch Keller can sometimes be a little bit all over the place. And Matt, I know you do a great job of being able to place bets all over the place because you do a great job taking a look at not just K-Props, but you, as you mentioned, take a look at some first threes. You always do a good job taking a look at some in-game bets. I know that you wanted to giving out that angle with regards to Philadelphia Phillies a few minutes ago. You just do a great do- job in general of just taking a look at anything in general, anything that you're able to find an advantage on. I think that last year you told me that you placed bets nine different ways with regards to Major League Baseball, which I think is incredibly impressive. So, well, the good people at home know they're able to find you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general right now.
10: Yeah, at MidMajorMatt on Twitter, and as I always say, certainly, I know you get questions about props and in-game betting and things like that, and that's not necessarily your strength. So, certainly, anybody who wants to, they can ask me, um, at MidMajorMatt. And yeah, as you said, look, baseball is an opportunity. Unlike the rest of the sports, there are a ton Ways to bet baseball, whether it is the first three, first five, first seven, even some places first nine, and and things like that. And so it's just trying to find some value. If a book is going to offer a bet, there is some value. You just have to find it. And that's the thing about baseball, and that's why you know it's the toughest sport to handicap with everything that's involved. And certainly, you know, it is only May, but there are win totals starting to come out for college football and things like that. Uh, it's never too early to start doing your research for that sort of thing. And of course, you know, with your college basketball podcast and the transfer portal constantly churning. There's always time to be vigilant about that sport as well. So you can follow me at Mid Major Matt on Twitter.
4: And to your point with college basketball, nearly 1,700 players in the transfer poor, a lot of NBA draft decisions being made there so that's certainly something that I'm keeping my eye on and we've got just a lot in general that's going down and Matt seems to handicap just a little bit of everything always does a great job whenever he comes on this podcast always does a great job when he comes on my college basketball podcast as well so always a pleasure to get him aboard big thanks to mid-major Matt for joining me in the last segment right here on the baseball betting show and coming up next it is that time of the podcast I give you fix and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all
0: If you dare. 21 plus only must be president Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
2: He says, somebody's in the house and I scream.
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. we're
4: right love lovely Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Eastern Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Mid-Major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs on the show. He does a great job. Take a look at the game of baseball, doing an absolutely amazing job. When it comes to being able to take a look at player props, does a great job, obviously, when it comes to college basketball as well, which is how he winds up getting the Twitter handle at mid-major But that said, always good to be able to get him aboard, have his insights, and just look at a couple alternative bets to take a look at for baseball. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all
0: if a game is listed on the betting board greg has a side and a total
4: on it so it is time to touch them all do note that as per usual any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81 we are going to be going in las vegas rotation or this is where we wind up going with the national league games first and then the american league games and any interleague games are going to be at the bottom unlike yesterday where we wound up having a whole bunch of double headers. We do not have to worry about that, so it should be relieving to us all. And we are going to be beginning with that first Ashley game and a low total on this one. How about 901, 902 on the betting board? You've got the Atlanta Braves, and they're going to be hitting the road face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. One Corbin Burns is going to be going for the Brewers because I always think that his name should be said in an old English accent. Even though that was a terrible old English accent. And Max Fried is going to be on the bump for the Braves. So on this game is six half. Over saying between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders between minus 105 and minus 110 with the Brew crew. And between minus 139 and minus 145 is what you're laying And with the Braves. And we're between plus 120 and plus 130. Set the Brewers as a minus 146 favorite. You're finding their run line in a lot of places right around a plus 155 to a plus 160. It's this low of a total. I don't want to be rolling the dice there. I do think that it winds up going over just because it's hard to take a look at 6.5-unders. And And ironically enough, last time these two Guys themselves actually wound up facing out because we got the same pitching matchup about a week and a half ago. I did wind up taking an under on six and a half and that wound up hitting, but Milwaukee is a little bit more hitter friendly and I take a look at what you're able to get out of Corbin Burns. He actually had a higher ERA At home than on the road last season. This year, it's set equal. Buck 74 ERA at home. buck 80 on the road. And regardless, this guy has been filthy. He has given up six home runs in 45 and two-thirds innings. And really, that's the worst thing they find about him. Opponents starting a buck 76 He has been incredible. And for Max Freed, had two, maybe three rough starts begin the season. And ever since then, he has been lights out giving up Four walks and 43 innings. How he has given up four home runs as well, but you take a look at what he's been able to do over the course of his last five starts, and the guy has been absolutely amazing, giving up eight runs in that time span. Swing and miss stuff is certainly there, right around eight and a half punch outs per nine innings, but with the Braves' bullpen has been a little bit expended upon in this series. Meanwhile, with the Milwaukee Brewers, Guys not named Devin Williams and Josh Hader have been rough. Now that is without question the best 8th and ninth inning duo in all baseball, but you do need guys like John Del Gustave, Jake Cousins being injured has hurt them, Brent Suter... You've got Hobie, Milner. These guys have been a little bit of an issue for the team, and that's having cousins out there I do think has really hurt them, even if Brad Boxberger saw it in the seventh inning. But you do take a look at this Spurs team, and I feel like their offense has been beneficiaries of being able to beat up on teams like the Cincinnati Reds, the Pittsburgh Pirates, because they played so many of those teams this season. William Adams, Hunter Renfro, Roddy us. All wound up entering into Tuesday with between 8 and 9 home runs apiece with TELUS, 29 RBI. Now Christian Yelich has been solid this year, 340 on base, he's been able to pick it up, but... Take a look at the Brewers as a whole. You really don't have a lot of guys getting on base. Luis Odias, since he's come back in about 12, 13 games, he's been able to three hundred. and Mark Brasso in 36 at-bats is hitting at .278. These are the only guys that have seen more than 10 at-bats that are currently hitting above a 253. so you do have your triple points there for the Atlanta Braves, and has been a team that has struggled a little bit with batting average, but they certainly have been able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball Ozzie Albies. Since a good start to the season, he slowed down, but still, Six home runs for him. Austin Riley has been able to go deep seven times. Marcel Ozuna starting to pick it up again, even with the 210 batting average. Five bombs for him. Matt Olson, right around at 365 on base. And then for the Braves, it has been a case in which Tyler Madzik has been a little bit banged up for this team, so that has hurt them in the bullpen. You still have Will Smith, Aaron O'Day. Smith has actually been very good this season. He's been able to give you a couple of good situational spots. Kenley Jansen could be a little bit up and down, but he's still rocking a two-five ish ERA. But both of these teams... Relatively average with the guards of the bullpen, so even if both of these guys do lend a good start, you still run a little bit of a roll of the dice there. I do wind up setting my total at a 6.7 as a result, so I'm going to be taking a look at this total over, and with Burns and company, set the Brewers as a minus 146 favorite. Last time, these two guys matched up the Atlanta Braves, wound up getting the best of it at home. I think Burns gets his revenge, so looking at the Brewers and looking at the over. 903 and 904 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants are throw to face off against the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Rockies. And Logan Webb is going to be going for the Giants. The Giants are finding themselves anywhere between minus 149 and minus 155 favorites. Plus price on Colorado is between 135 and 140 with 10.5 being your total. overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. Did my saying my total at a 10.2. Logan Webb has been pretty impressive in his last few starts. He does have some demonstrative home and road splits since the beginning of last season. Season, a little bit north of a 4 ERA on the road, but what he has been able to do a good job of is not giving up cheapies. One home run and 11 walks given up for Logan Webb in a little bit over 41 innings. So that means that he's issuing right around 2.3-ish walks per 9 innings. His home runs per 9 rate is like a .25. I mean, that is insane. And then you take a look at Kyle Freeland, and it's been a little bit of a rough year for him, and especially at home. Five home starts, a six 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 ERA. Not even kidding, a 666, that's not good. You don't want to be rocking a 666 with regards to just... A omen standpoint, and on top of that, with regards to the number itself. So, it's not necessarily too impressive. He hasn't given up too many walks this year. 11 walks in 36 and two-thirds innings, but certainly has been a case in which opponents have just banged him around like a pinata 307 batting average for opponents. And you take a look at the San Francisco Giants, and they really are starting to pick it up with regards to the bats. Tommy LaSalle is now back at the fold. That is going to be able to help them out. Brandon Belt was banged up for quite a bit. He, Darren Ruff, Jack Peterson, they're all hitting right around 235-240, to 240, but you know that they're going to be able to pick it up, especially with Peterson being able to give this team seven home runs, and has a great last name, by the way, Kirk Caselli has made it right around a 300. Mikey Strzemski has been solid in for the Colorado Rockies. This is a bunch that they do wind up hitting about 50-55 to 55 points higher at home than they do on the road. Look no further than C.J. Crone. He's got out of his nine home runs, seven of them thus far this season at home. Connor Joe is well above a 310 at home on the road that falls to a sub 250. So you do have those demonstrative splits. Jonathan Daza has been amazing. He's hitting a 391 going into Tuesday. So he's been solid. And for the Colorado Rockies, the bullpen does perform a little bit better at home than they do on the road. Daniel Bart has had some very demonstrative home and road splits the last few seasons. Justin Lawrence at Coors Field has been solid, but this is still a bottom six bullpen with regards to ERA. And for the Giants, they have been a little bit shaky with regards to the bullpen. Jake McGee has not been able to do the job, but he is a little bit banged up right now. Jarlon Garcia has yet to allow a single run this season. Camilo Duvall come out of the bullpen. He's looked solid. You've had Dominic Leone, Zach Liddell deal with a few injuries as well, but I do think that Logan Webb, it's going to be able to deliver a masterful start in this spot, and I do think that Freeland just giving up all the contact that he is. A little bit of a trouble spot with the Giants. I was willing to lay up to a minus 105 on the run line with them. Made him a minus 158 favorite on the money line. Currently finding them even money on the run line, I'm going to reduce the juice, and I'm going to go with the run line just because I do think that Webb is going to be able to go out there and dominate and set my total at a 10.2, so looking under and looking at the Giants on the run line to be able to reduce the juice. 905 906 on the betting board. The Arizona They hit the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. Walker Buehler is going to be going for the Dodgers, and Zach Davies is going to be on the bump for Arizona. Arizona's find themselves as a sizable underdog, and we're between plus 225 and seeing his eyes at plus 240. Meanwhile, with the LA Dodgers, going to be fine them anywhere between minus 260 and minus 280 with 8 being your total over between minus 110 and minus 115 under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. I thought that I was making the Dodgers a very very good and sizable favorite here at minus 233 but I mean we've got 240 on the board right now. It's a take on the Arizona Diamondbacks just because trying to lay this number with the Dodgers it is going to get you in the long term now for the Arizona Diamondbacks certainly a little bit of a rough go of it with their pitching yesterday but that's said, I do take a look at Zach Davies, and he did wind up having some success in Milwaukee a few years ago, and on top of that, while he was with the San Diego Padres out there in the same division as the Dodgers a few years ago, he was lights out. Now, he's had a issue with regards to walks thus far this year, 15 walks and in 35 in a third inning, so nearly four walks per nine innings, but to be able to keep the ball in the yard, swing and miss stuff, right around seven and a half punch outs per nine innings, He's limiting contact in general. And for Walker Buehler, he wound up getting his start moved up. Last week, he had to pitch on Friday instead of Saturday, and you could tell that he was on himself. Five runs given up over the course of five innings, and you have to wonder if his homeostasis as a pitcher, for lack of a better term, has been thrown off because in his previous three starts, he went and combined 21 innings, giving up just one run, one of those was a complete game. Wrong clean on the road against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but with the Diamondbacks, the batting average is rough with this team. They're in the bottom 10 with that regard, but this has actually been one of the best teams with the guards being able to go deep, Christian Walker now has eight home runs this season. Dalton Varsho, he's got six bombs. Now you take a look at what they trotted out there for Game Two of that doubleheader. One guy was sitting above a two thirty-three, and that's a gentleman with twenty-seven at bats going into that game in Alec Thomas. But certainly, you do have the hard contact there. And for the LA Dodgers, we got a couple guys for this team. They need to pick it up as it's been Max Muncy, Justin Turner down for what, Cody Bellinger. These guys hitting a 225 or lower have been hurting them a little bit. Will Smith has been banged up this season. Mookie Betts has been terrific. He's got eight home runs, 20-plus RBI. He's been able to do a good job getting on base. Trey Turner down for what, Edwin Rios. Both of these guys hitting north of a 260 as well along with Chris Taylor. So they've been solid, but... For the L.A. Dodgers and really the Arizona Diamondbacks, they did have to dive deep into their bullpen yesterday because he did wind up having a pair of double dips. Joe Manette Tipley has been very solid for this Arizona Diamondbacks team, and Kyle Nelson has been very good. He did wind up having to throw 14 pitches yesterday, but with bullpen usage, would not be surprised if he winds up coming back today as well. And then for the L.A. Dodgers, this is a team that they had to use up quite a bit of their bullpen. Craig Kimbrell used up 29 pitches in game number one of that double dip. You had Justin Brule, Mitch White all wind up having to be utilized. So, probably looking at an Alex Vizia wind up coming back for the scene Blake Tryon has been injured, so that is a little bit of an issue as well. Do I think that Walker Bueller should be better in this start? Then he wasn't his last one. Absolutely, but I think we just went up a little bit too lofty with this price. I'm willing to take North of a plus 230 here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, I'm going to be looking at them with a big giant plus price. Made my total an 8.2 as well. I think that Davies winds up getting banged around a little bit, and this is going to be a game that is 110 p.m. Pacific time out there in Las Angeles ball flies much differently during the daytime than the nighttime in LA so I'm going to be willing to ride this over to go along with these snakes 907 908 on the bang board the Washington Nationals hit the road face off against the Miami Marlins You've got Pablo Lopez on the bump for the Marlins. And Josiah Gray is going to be on the bump for Washington. Washington find themselves a big underdog. in eight between plus 155 and plus 163. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Miami, going to be getting them anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180. With seven at being your total, the under is anywhere between minus 120, minus 125. The over is anywhere between even and plus 105. And with Miami, set up a minus 176 on the money line. But if you take a look at the run line, right now you're finding that... Right in the neighborhood of about a plus 130 to a plus 135, and I'm willing to take that plus price because you've got yourself a Washington Nationals bullpen. That has been very bad to say the least. Now, I do fully recognize that right around 30% of games involving a home favorite and the home favorite lines winning outright have come by one run, so you are playing a little bit of a roll of the dice there, but... Well, you're going from getting a minus 175 to a plus 135, so this is a little bit more of a math play and just a reduction of juice for me, and I feel solid about it just because you do take a look at this Washington National team, and you got a guy in Tanner who's been much better this season, but still, a guy that last season, he's the closer, and he had a north of 70 RA. That's honestly too terrific. Kyle Finnegan has good stuff, but he's got a 4 ERA. Austin Volth has been up and down for the team. He's got north of a 5 ERA. Josh Rogers has not been too terrific, and you do take a look at this actual team, and they've been able to do a nice job with we'll being able to put back the ball. Josh Bell, along the Yadier Hernandez, both hitting above a 320 for this team. You've got Kiber Ruiz, Juan Soto, Along with Cesar Hernandez, Mikel Franco, owing between about a 254 to a 270, and for Soto. I mean, it's just been a whole bunch of solo home runs for this guy. He entered into Tuesday with 8 home runs at 11 RBI. I believe that all but 2 of his home runs have been solo shots, so that's a little bit of an issue. And you do take a look at the Marlins, and they've actually been a little bit of an underrated offense at this point. Brian De La Cruz is back in the fold, and this is someone that's hitting above a 300. I like what I saw out of him last year. Be able to contribute that into this year. We've got a guy in Asus Sagar, who's been one of the better RBI machines out there in baseball. He's got a 345 on base along Garrett Cooper, Jed Schiselum. He's been able to do a good job of being able to put back to ball. He's hitting right around 290, right around six to seven home runs from Avicio Garcia starting to pick it up along Jacob Stallings. They in the last week or two have been hitting it well after bad starts to the season. Orde Solaire still needs to pick it up with regards to his batting average, has been a little bit banged up, but I also do like what you're able to get out of this Miami Marlins bullpen. As you've had a little bit of shakiness with With regards to the Anthonys, Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender have both had somewhat suspect ERAs, especially Bender for 15 ERA Bass to his point has actually been very, very good. And you did take a look at what you were able to get past that Tanner Scott been a little bit of a bust since coming over from the Orioles, but Cole Solzer, 3 ERA, he's been able to do a good job. I'll be able to shut things down. Tommy Nance has been solid out of the bullpen, and you take a look at Mr. Lopez, and he has been absolutely masterful for this Miami Marlins team. This is a guy that does have some pretty demonstrative home and road splits, so fortunately this is a home start for him, but a buck 05 ERA with a 4-1 and record. Getting right around nine point eight strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is one point seven, and I ain't mean, at home this year. His home ERA is worse than his road ERA. That's because his home ERA is a buck fifty, and his road ERA is a zero forty seven last year. It was more like a two thirty four ERA at home compared to a four thirty four on the road. And then with Drew Gray. Been a little bit better recently. Didn't mind it giving up six runs. His last start against the Houston Astros, but it's understandable going up against the Astros. But he's just given up quite a bit of hard contact. Eight home runs given up at 37 at third innings. Good swing and miss stuff. A little bit over nine punch outs per nine innings. But walks going to be an issue for him as well. Right around 4.4ish walks per nine innings. Good raw stuff, but once again raw stuff. I did wind up setting my total at a 7.3, very pitcher-friendly ballpark here. At a 7.5, I'd be taking a look at the under, but seeing as high as minus 130 juice right now on that under of 7.5, I'm thinking that we wind up getting to a 7, and I would rather take a 7 over rather than a 7.5 under. I do think a little bit of regression is gonna set in for Lopez, and this is a bad Washington Nationals bullpen, so looking at a Miami Marlins run line, and most likely, if we do wind up getting that 7, going to be taking a look at an over there. 9-9, 9-10 on the bang board, the slam, Diego Padres, a third face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is going to be going for the Phillies, and Blake Snell is going to be on the bump for the Padres. Padres are finding themselves in between plus 125 and plus 130 underdogs. Meanwhile, with the Phillies, you're finding them between minus 140, minus 145, with eight being your total, saying between minus 110 and minus 120, over, anywhere between even and minus 110, and for Blake Snell, this is going to be his first appearance of the season. He was supposed to make a start, I believe, either on opening day or just after opening day, and well, you wound up getting hurt in warm up, so that's not necessarily too terrific. But you take a look at what Blake Snell wound up doing away from San Diego last year—ghastly bad. I mean, this guy was actually pretty tremendous at home with a 2.50 RA, 6.12 road ERA, and it's not like it was a small sample size. 15 starts allowed 10 bombs in 60 and two-thirds innings, and most befuddling. 42 walks in 60 innings. He was giving up nearly six walks per nine innings, with opponents sitting a full 125 higher off of him on the road than at home. This guy could not figure it out. Meanwhile, with Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler. A little bit of a rough start to the season for him, but last three starts, this has looked like the Zach Wheeler and Deal and Wheeler that we come to know and love. A combined 19 innings giving up three runs as we able to do a nice job getting approximately seven strikeouts in every one of those starts. He's given up just one home run in his last five starts. This guy is back to being very dominant. Last year, he wanted giving up right around a half home run. Burn nine innings at home, and for the San Diego Padres, it's a very middle-heavy lineup as Manny Machado, Eric Cosmer, both of these guys hitting north of a three thirty five and a four hundred on base. Every single other starter that wound up taking the field yesterday, hitting a 244 or lower end. The only guy that was hitting above a 220 among all those guys was, ironically enough, Will Myers. Rick's a profile. Ever since he wound up having a hot start to the year, he's slowed down. He's been stuck on five home runs for a while. Jake Cronenworth is hitting right around 210. Awesome. Kim right around 217 ish. Austin Super Nola has not been so super. They've brought in Robinson Cano, who's about 500 billion years old. That's honestly too terrific. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, it has been a little bit of an up and down lineup themselves. Kyle Schwarber hitting below 200, but he has been able to give the team 9 home runs thus far this season. Alec Bohm needs to work on his fielding, but he and Gene Segura hitting above the 300 for the team. Even Odu Barrera has been able to get on base. Bryce Harper has been amazing for the team, has been dealing with a little bit of an injury the last few days, but JT Ryumito, even though he's hitting about a 240, still so has been able to find a way to be able to get on base for you. Now, the one thing that you have to caution yourself with the Philadelphia Phillies this bullpen is just remarkably bad. Jersic Vamilia, Spanish, for blown save. This guy has just not been good all season long. Corey Canable, he's had a little bit of a rough go of it as well 360 ERA for him. You take a look at Christopher Sanchez. He's rocking a 6 ERA. James Norwood right around a 70 ERA. Jose Alvarado Boy, it has not been good for him and for the San Diego Padres. It's not like this has been a lights-out bullpen either. Taylor Rogers is someone I like. He has been lights-out whenever he gets a save opportunity, but the way that Blake Snell pitches on the road, he's not going to get a save opportunity. Steven Wilson, he's got an earth of four ERA. Robert Suarez is someone that they had high hopes for. He has not been living up to those as well, so I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that Zach Wheeler should be a pretty good favorite in this spot. I do mind setting him at a minus 142. We're mostly seeing minus 140, so I'm going to look to lay a minus 140 with him If you're looking at the run line, by the way, find that anywhere between a plus 140 to a plus 145. If this winds up getting a little bit out of whack, I would encourage a run line, but I personally have minus 140 available to me, so I would rather just lay that money line rather than risk the run line. And with regards to the total, I did wind up setting it at a 7.8 because I do think that Wheeler is back to his full form and got a couple top-heavy lineups. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under to go along with the Phillies. Signed 11 9-12 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals are going to be hitting the road, and they're going to be facing off against the New York Metropolitans as you've got Mad Max Scherzer who's going to be going for the Mets, and Jordan X is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. Your total on this game is 7 over and under, or both at minus 110, and with the Metropolitans, you're finding them in between minus 190 and minus $2 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at St. Louis, you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 160 and plus 180. I think we might be getting up a little bit too lofty here. I was willing to set the Mets at a minus 179. I'm seeing multiple 180s available to me, and I'm going to be one to take a plus 180 here with the St. Louis Cardinals. Jordan X is pretty much an opener plus at this point. He's been able to go five innings once or twice this season, but a guy that just throughout his career has wound up coming out of the bullpen during his minor league days, I believe that he did wind up making some starts, but certainly not a guy that is used to necessarily going too deep into games, wound up going five innings, giving up three runs in his last start against the San Francisco Giants and it's really only went north of four innings that time and one other this season. So that is a little bit of an issue. And we all know about Max Scherzer. Guy has been just lights out through the, the entirety of his career, but let's give it up eight home runs over the course of his last three starts, four home runs in that time span. He is up there in age. He's going to be turning 38 in July. So you have to wonder if perhaps there's going to be a little bit of a fall off coming forward. Now, in New York, he's allowing opponents to hit just a buck 36, so he's been able to do a tremendous job there, but you know what the Cardinals have? That the Mets do not a little bit of a bullpen advantage. They've got themselves a very good bullpen that has been able to come in and has been able to hold down the fort. got to figure that there might need to be a long reliever like a Jake Woodford that winds up coming into this game because they used up Packy Naughton yesterday, but that said, He's been able to do a solid job. Genesis Cabrera has been nice out of the bullpen for this team. Ryan Helsley, as is- you yet to give up an earned run all season long. Andre Palanti is able to give you multiple innings as well and for the New York Mets. Edwin Diaz, ever since they wound up giving him that new introduction song, has actually been very, very good for the team, but he got used up yesterday. Drew Smith, Chase, and Sharif, both of these guys have been able to do a rock-solid job, especially Smith of the bullpen. Seth Lugo has been a little bit up and down, though. He's got north of a 3-5-ish ERA, and you do take a look at the New York Mets. This has been a little bit of a lucky team. They lead the league in infield singles, and it's like not even close, so that's a little bit of an indication Indicator of luck, you have been able to have guys be able to get on base. Mark Canna, Brandon Nimmo, along with Jeff McNeil, all hitting at least a 285. But while those have been the infield singles, I just alluded to. Pete Alonso has been able to do a good job of being able to go yard 330 on base, eight home runs for this guy. And Francisco Lindor looking a little bit better this season, but he's had a little bit of a drop-off in recent weeks. Eduardo Escobar in just a two twenty They wind up hitting a home run in Game 2 of that doubleheader, but for the St. Louis Cardinals, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt have been incredibly impressive for this team. Both of these guys, inning above a three hundred, along with Brendan Donovan, their young gentleman, has been able to do a solid job, but be able to come in and be able to hold down the fork Goldschmidt north of 22 RBI this season. Tommy Edmond has right around a 370 on base, so you've got yourself some mashers. even with guys like Umando Sosa, Tyler O'Neal, to lack of a better term, Dylan Carlson. These guys struggling a little bit. I do have a little bit more faith here in the Cardinals. Should Max Scherzer be a relatively good favorite? Yes, but I think we've gone a little bit too far here, and I do think that there is a little bit of a fall-off coming in for Max Scherzer, even though it's not necessarily popular to say. I am willing to take plus 180 or greater here with the Cardinals, So we're looking there. my total at of 7.6, so looking at the 7 over as well, 9-13, 9-14 on the banging board the Pittsburgh Pirates. hit the road face-off against the Chicago Cubs, Drew Smiley is going to be going for the Cubs, and Mitch Thunder Keller is going to be going for the Buccos. Currently, there's no total up on this game since it is a Wrigley Field game, and the wind winds up dictating all of that, but we do have a money line of the Cubs being a minus 150 favorite, and with the Pirates, you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 130 and plus 140. Made the Cubs a minus 163 favorite on the money line. Pretty much anything north of a plus 115, I would be taking a look at this run line as well. Wind seems to be blowing a little bit more diagonally in this one, but there's not necessarily a ton of wind, so even if the wind would be blowing in, it wouldn't be too much of a concern turn here because looks like it's going to be like six, eight ish miles per hour. So it makes a little bit of an impact, but it's not one of these days where it's like whipping at 20 plus miles per hour. So you don't need to worry about the wind being just completely demonstrative. And killing balls that would be out by 20 feet and having them die at the warning track, so you're able to feel secure on that, but you do take a look at Drew Smiley, a little bit more of a fly ball pitcher, and he's been a little bit unlucky this year. 1-4 record with a 3.64 ERA. I'm not saying that he deserves to be 4-1 or anything like that, to, but to be 1-4 with the way that he's pitched has been a little bit rough. He has given up 5 home runs in 29 and 2 3 innings, but he's given up just 6 walks. Swing and miss stuff has been down for a little bit. 21 strikeouts. Has approximately 4 strikeouts, no more, no less in each out of his last 5 starts, and then you take a look at Mitch Keller, and he is 0-5, and, and he deserves a 0-5 because he's got a 6.61 ERA. He has been giving up right around 3.4-ish walks per nine innings, which is actually a little bit down for him, but he's given up four plus runs in three out of his last four starts. Certainly has been a little bit shaky with that regard, and two of those starts wound up coming against the Cincinnati Reds, so that's not necessarily too terrific right there, and you take a look at this Pittsburgh Pirates team, and you just don't have a lot of measures when it comes to this team, you do have guys that have been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base, Ben Gamble sitting right around 275, Michael Chavis just below that, and then Cabrian Ace who wound up getting a day off yesterday, he's been able to 300, even Rodolfo Castro has been able to move the line, Daniel Vogelback sitting a 250, I'm glad that he got him out of the leadoff spot, a a guy that weighs like 500 pounds does not deserve to be in the leadoff spot, but Vogelback six home runs thus far this season. And you take a look at Josh Van Mead or Yoshi Satsugo. Even someone like a Michael Perez and Jax Wisniewski. These guys ain't below the Mendoza line of 200. is killing them. And for the Cubs, their offense is just artificially inflated by the fact that they wound up having that 21 run game against the Pirates, I will say. There is something to them just absolutely banging around the Pittsburgh Pirates. But that said, Ian Apples and Gutierrez, both of these guys hanging right around 280. They've been solid. C.A. Suzuki has been able to do a solid job along with Alfonso Rivas in the middle of lineup. Both of these guys are with a 350 on base, both hitting between about a 250 to a 260. You need a little bit more at the bottom of the lineup. Frank Schwindel Patrick Wisdom, um, Eliemo Vargas. These guys hitting a 220 or lower is rough And Wisdom. Striking on an over 40% of his at-pass for the Pittsburgh Pirates. All but two of their wins have come out of the bullpen, even though their bullpen is not really that good. They're in the bottom eight of the big leagues. With regards to ERA, Heath Embry has not been too terrific with north of a six ERA. Chris Drayton as well at the bottom of David Benar has been solid, but the Cubs, third best bullpen ERA when it comes to the National League. Scott Efres has actually been able to do a very good job with this team. A buck 20 ERA for him this season. Michael Rucker, to my surprise, has not lit games on fire thus far this season. Rowan Wick, a sub-2 ERA for him. Michael Givens, he's able to give you some relatively solid innings as well. So, with regards to the way that the wind is playing, I did want to say my total at an 8.2. So, an 8 or less, I'll be taking a look at an over in an 8.5 or higher to the under. But, with the Cubs wanting to lay up to minus 163 on the money line. So, at current numbers, I'd be looking at a money line. Depends upon what run line price we wind up getting. If I would be willing to pull the trigger there or if I'm just going to be taking a look at a little bit of something different in the AM, but in some form or fashion, looking at the cuffs, and I am going to be taking a look at an, Leslie over an 8 or less the over, and a half higher to the under. As we move on to 9-15, 9-16 on the betting board, you've got the Detroit Tigers and the Tigres are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Drew Rasmussen is going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays, and Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is finding themselves as a pretty sizable underdog. You're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 160 and plus 175. Meanwhile, the Rays are finding themselves as a pretty sizable favorite as they are anywhere between... Minus 180 and minus 190. And I do think that we went too low with regards to the total. I did wind up saying it at a 7.7. To the credit of the Detroit Tigers, they do have a top five bullpen with regards to ERA. And the Tampa Bay Rays have actually been very much league average with regards to bullpen this season. I think a lot of that is just thrown off by the fact that they've had a lot of guys that just did not wind up giving them any sort of length whatsoever with regards to their starts at the beginning part of the season. And now they've been able to lock in someone like Jeffrey Springs and been able to stretch him out. So that has been able to get things back in balance for the team. Because you take a look at their star-studded relievers, J.P. Feireisen, has yet to give up a single run this season. Matt Weisler has given you right around a 2-ish ERA. Jason Adam, a sub-2 ERA, along Jalen Beeks. Heck, Phoenix Sanders, when he's been out there, has been very solid for the team as well. And for the Detroit Tigers, Wolves, Gregory Soto. These guys have been able to do a lights-out job. Andrew Trafins since coming off the injured list. He's been able to give this team some good innings. But with Eduardo Rodriguez, you got your question marks there. Last year, he wound up having a fielding independent that did not wind up matching up with his ERA, indicating that he was getting relatively unlucky. I question how much of that was bad luck because now he's given up 15 walks and 38 and two-thirds innings command has not necessarily been there for him. It's been an up and down season for him as he's given up at least three runs and now three out of his last five starts. Hasn't given up too many deep balls Four Runs given up in 38 and two-thirds innings and with the Tampa Bay race, it's a little bit of a random lineup in that everyone's either hitting above a 275 or they're hitting like a 220 or lower. There's really not a lot of in-between Yandy Diaz along with Juan de Franco and G-Man Choi. Only between about a 265 to a 275. Harold Ramirez hitting above a 300. And then you've got Kevin Kiermaier along with Mike Zanino. Brett Phillips, Vija, Brujan who are all hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Randy Orozarena has had a little bit of rough COVID. Brandon Blau has been a little bit banged up five home runs, but only about a 210 for him. And for the Detroit Tigers, man, this has been a team that has not been able to get a lot of her contact going. They're averaging right around a half a home run per game. They are dead last in the big leagues. With that regard, you do have Willie Castro getting on base. He's hitting a 333. And Miguel Cabrera is hitting right around 285. He's been able to get on base, but we've got Spencer Torkelson, Eric Koss, Jameer Candelario, Johnson Scope, Robbie Grossman, Javi Baez, all hitting at 220 or lower. That is not necessarily too terrific. I do think that this is a total that's going to be going over, but I think it's because the Rays are going to be doing a lot of the damage. And for Drew Rasmussen, I do think that there might be a little bit of negative regression coming in from he has been giving up right around seven hits per nine innings, so he's giving up a little bit of contact, not necessarily too much. He two home runs, surrendered in that time span, and ever since being edited to the rotation in late August, early September of last season, he's had an ERA that's hovering right around at 250, so he's been great there. Three starts at home, has given up just one home run, three runs in total over the course of 15 and two-thirds innings, so he has been able to do a solid job there, but I do think that the Rays are going to be able to get to Rodriguez and a little bit of a tired Detroit Tigers bullpen, so I didn't mind my total at a 7.7. I'm looking over, and with the Tigers, I need at least a plus 190 to be able to take a shot there, so if I were looking at the money line, I'd be looking at the Rays, but I think that the Rays should be able to win this game by multiple runs. I was willing to take them as long as I was getting any sort of a plus price. I'm seeing it right now anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130 on the run line. I recognize that with only teams. They've had a little bit of a tough time being able to cover the run line, but I think that this is a case in which the Rays are going to be able to do so. So, looking Rays run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well. 917, 918 on the main board, the Minnesota Twins. They have the road to face off against the Oakland A's as you've got Dalton Jeffries, who's going to be going for the A's and Sonny Gray is going to be on the bump for Minnesota. The state with the smallest strengths in the union. Anywhere between a minus 150, a minus 155 favorite. Meanwhile, Oakland's anywhere between a plus 135 to a plus 145 underdog with your total being 7.5. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus for 20, the overs anywhere between even a minus 110. Hopefully, you picked up on the state with the smallest drinks in the Union joke. Mini soda. Ha, ha, ha. Nicely myself there. But hopefully, Sunny Gray can be online for them a little bit more, though. I do think that this is a number that's starting to get just a little bit out of whack now. With the Oakland A's, offense has not been great. Going into Tuesday, this had been a bunch that they had scored three runs or fewer in 17 out of their last 22 games. So, that has been just really bad. And you take a look at the starting lineup that you want getting for Oakland on Tuesday. And you legitimately had one player entering into the game with a batting average above a 231 and two players with a batting average above a 213 because Sheldon Noisy has been out the full last few games. You do want to gang back Ramon Laureano, but he has Stunks so that's coming back in. The one guy with a batting average above a 231 that would be their newest guy in Luis, but it, uh, he has been able to give the team 15 at-bats thus far this season. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and they have been dealing with a couple of ailments. You've been dealing with Trevor Larnish being out of the fold for the scene. Miguel, so no, I really don't even think it's a downgrade for the team, but Carlos Correa, no doubt he is, but Royce Lewis has filled in for him quite well. He's sitting right around 285. Luis Arias is hitting well above a 300 by Buckson. He wound up being out of the fold once again yesterday. That's always an issue because he's been able to give the team 11 home runs in 25 games. He has been absolutely tremendous. But Ore Palanco, Max Kepler, Nick Gordon, these guys are in between about 240 to 255. So, They've been rock signing. You've actually got a pair of top eight bullpens with regards to ERA out there in the big leagues. To my surprise, you've been able to get some really good innings out of Joe Smith for the Minnesota Twins. Griffin jackson has been good in long relief. on Durin has been able to give you solid innings. Ty Duffy's starting to pick it up. And for the Oakland A's, Sam Maul has just come in and mauled opponents. AJ Puck is a guy with a 0. 0.55 ERA that's able to go multiple innings. Danny Jimenez, sub one ERA as well. So, both of these teams have been lights out with regards to bullpen, but the one thing that I will say about this game is that it's going to be starting at 12.37 local time. In Oakland, it's very much pitcher-friendly. When it comes to the nighttime, during the daytime, it's much more hitter-friendly and Dalton Jeffries is a little bit more of a pitcher-contact guy. This is someone that is not going to put you on very cheaply. does a good job of being able to limit the walks thus far in 35 and a third innings. He's given up just five walks to four home runs, ironically enough. Strikeout rate is getting right around six strikeouts per nine innings. And for Sonny Gray, he's been able to get strikeouts, but just as not been able to stay healthy in general. does wind up giving up a little bit too much hard contact as you have to be able to go a full five innings. So, the bullpen of the Twins that they had to be utilized quite a bit on Monday as well after Chris Archer couldn't complete five innings. That is starting to take a little bit of a toll, but that said, do I think that the Minnesota Twins should be a favorite? Yes, I do think, though, that there's going to be a little bit of regression with regards to both of these bullpens. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.7, and with Sonny Gray just not being able to complete a bunch of innings, that leaves you a little bit questionable there. Was willing to take the Oakland A's anything north of a plus 135, so taking this plus price with Oakland, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. 919, 920 on the banking board. You've got the Houston Astros, and the are face off against the Boston Red Sox. Nick Pavetta is going to be going for the Sox, and... Lewis Garcia is gonna be on the bump for Houston. Your tolerance game is 9 over and under, both at on minus 110 with the Astros, and between minus 133 and minus 140 is your price, meanwhile, plus price with Boston. Any between plus one fifteen and plus one twenty-eight. And I did wind up saying the Astros as a minus one eighteen. So now that we're north of a plus one eighteen in a lot of spots with Boston, I'm gonna be willing to take the underdog now with the Houston Astros. This has been a little bit of a bet death start recently. This is a bunch that they have now been able to win 13 out of their last 15 games and They just completely tattooed the ball yesterday. I mean they wound up being able to put up nine runs in the first two innings of that game. I think that they were at thirteen after four innings. So I mean it's just absolutely incredible what you're seeing on this team. You've got Kyle Tucker wound up having multiple homers yesterday. He, along with Yuli, Uriel, Jordan Alvarez, after rough starts of the season for them, along with LJ Altuve, they're now hitting at least a 250 to a 265. And I'm sure that all these guys are hitting at least a 280 this month. So they've been able to do a nice job there. And for Jordan Alvarez, he entered into Tuesday with 11 home runs. He had at least one yesterday. So that's very big for the team. And even Jeremy Pena, who's a little bit banged up, he's out back. He's hitting a 275. Michael Brantley's getting on base. Alex Bregman is picking it up. And for the Boston Red Sox, the trio in the middle has been very good for the team. Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogart.s all these guys are at least a 310 with at least a 350 on Mason for Devers. Seven home runs after he had 38 last season. He's been able to do a good job, but Kiké Hernandez, Alex Verdugo, Trevor Story, Kevin Plowacki. Christian Arroyo, I mean, Christian Vasquez, who's been a little bit banged up. Jackie Bradley Jr., he's not known for his bat, but still, all these guys are hitting a 220 or lower. It's just really hurting the seam in a Boston Red Sox bullpen that already was not in good shape. Well, they needed to go into pretty much bonus time because Anthony Evaldi wound up getting them five outs yesterday. So that's not necessarily great, but what I do think is interesting here is the fact that Nick Pavetta has actually been a little bit worse at Boston than he has been on the road. But I think that he might be able to reverse that a little bit. You take a look at what he was able to show in his last start, and he was able to do a halfway decent job. Overall, it's been a rough year from 1-4 with a 4.08 ERA. but last two starts, a combined one run surrendered against the Texas Rangers and the Chicago White Sox getting 12 punch outs in that time. Fan. and Just one walk in his last three starts. That has always been a little bit of a concern for him throughout his career. And even this year, 14 walks in 33 and two thirds innings. But most of that wound up coming in his first four or five starts of the season. And he's been able to lock it in ever since. And for Luis Garcia, this is a man that throughout his career has had pretty demonstrative on under-road splits. This year has actually been very good on the road. Buck 20 ERA across three starts. But you go back to what he was able to do during the 2021 campaign. 424 road ERA. 239 Omiya, and you may recall during the postseason last year, he did not wind up having a good go of it. Really, throughout the entirety of the postseason, if we want to be honest here. And he has given up five home runs over the course of 33 and 2 thirds innings. And I do think the Boston is going to be able to awaken from their slumber a little bit more. I do think that Nick Bavetta is going to see a little bit of regression from what we've seen in the last few starts. So I do end up saying the soda to 9.1. I think that both of these starts get lit up a little bit. So I'm going to be taking a look at it an over. And for the Houston Astros, I just don't know how sustainable it is to have this top eight open ERA. I mean, right now you've got Rafael Montero, who's got a 061 ERA. That is not going to last. Hector right around a two-ish ERA. He is not that good. Ryan Stanek, a buck 42 ERA. I'm seeing some positive progression with regards to that ERA, with regards to the ERA going up, so I'm willing to take the Boston Red Sox with a little bit of a plus price and this nine over. 921, 922 on the bank board the New York Yankees. It's a face face-off against the Baltimore Orioles. Jordan Lyles is going to be going for the Royals and Garrett Cole is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves in between minus 220 and minus 250 favorites. Meanwhile, with Baltimore, it is a between plus 195 and plus 205. With your turnoff game in between 7.5 and, and 8. On the 8, unders minus 120 and the over is even. On the 7.5, the over is minus 120 and the under is even. And with Cole and company, we we'll end up saying the Yankees as a minus 218 favorite. I need at least a plus 218 to even consider the Orioles. We are not there, and when it comes to the run line of the Yankees, Right now, I'm finding it anywhere between a minus 140 to a minus 150. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 146 with them. I'm seeing a lot of minus 140s to a minus 145s, and it's not necessarily the number that you'll want to be laying, but I would much rather go in on a right around a minus 140 to a minus 145 run line of the Yankees, rather than take a shot here on Baltimore. You've got yourself the Death Star of lineups, when it comes to the New York Yankees, all these guys are able to go deep for you as you just take a look at what you wind up having going into Tuesday with Aaron Judge coupled with Giancarlo Stanton and Anthony Rizzo. They combined for 32 home runs. That's more than like half the teams in Major League Baseball right now. It's absolutely insane what these guys are doing. Stanton is hitting right around 290. Judge entered into Tuesday hitting right around at 300. So that's been terrific. Josh Donaldson is picking it up right around 360 on base going into Tuesday. DJ turned it up. LeMayu. It's been a little bit of a funk recently, but you've had Isaiah Kinner-Falefa, ultimate utility man, inning right around a 280 for this team, and the Yankees back it up with the number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Clay Holmes has actually been tremendous for this team, a 049 ERA. Juani e. Peralta has been posting up right around a buck 65 ERA. Lucas Luki and Jonathan Weiske sometimes can be a little bit up and down, but I have faith in those guys as well. Michael King is a good multi-inning guy, and then for the Baltimore Orioles, it's actually been an above-average bullpen thus far this season, but Spencer Watkins could only wind of giving them four innings yesterday so that meant that Dylan Tate, Joy Krebel, so many guys, wanted about having to get pushed out of the bullpen. Felix Bautista has actually been halfway solid for this Orioles team, but CNL Perez, I mean, a 080 70 area entering into Tuesday. There's no way that that's going to be withstanding. And you do take a look at this Orioles lineup. You wound up getting Austin the Saves kid back in the fold yesterday. He, Trey Boo Mancini are both hitting a 275 grade. Ryan Mountcastle is in that fold as well, but Mountcastle has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. Cedric Mullins, since the beginning of the month of May, has been hitting above a 300. His power seems to be returning, but you look at the bottom of the line of Anthony Ben Boom, Tyler Nevin, you're able to throw in there. Calvin Gutierrez, Ryan McKenna, Ramon Urias. The list goes on and on. Typically, I would throw in there Ore Mateo, but he's actually been halfway decent for the team, but like all these guys, earning at 220 or lower it's honestly too tremendous for this Baltimore Orioles team, and for Garrett Cole, no doubt, since he's sicky stuff, he has not necessarily been the same guy, but as maybe we'll pick it up a little bit more recently. Overall for the season, at 2.95 ERA, five bombs, give it up in 36 and two-thirds innings, and the big thing is, he's back to getting right around 11 punch-outs per nine innings. He has get, gotten at least nine strikeouts in three out of his last four starts, giving up a combined four runs in those starts and five walks. So he has been nothing short of magnificent there. The offense has been firing on cylinders and, Got a guy in Jordan Lyles that last year wound up giving up 1.9 home runs per 9 innings. As far as the season, that's down a little bit, but that's because home runs in general are down. He's been giving up right around 3.4-ish walks per 9 innings. 5 home runs given up in 39 innings. Posting up an ERA that's hovering right around a 4.4. So, I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue. He's given up 4-plus runs in 3 out of his last 4 starts and I think that the Yankees are going to destroy him once again. So, even up to about a minus 145-ish, I'm willing to take a look at this Yankees run line and when it comes to the total, I think that the Yankees are going to pummel poor Mr. Lyle set the total at 8.8, so looking over and looking Yankees' run line. We move on to 923-924 on the betting board. The Seattle Mariners are going to be in the road face-off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Kevin Gosman is going to be going for the Jays, and one Marco Gonzalez is going to be on the bump for Seattle. Seattle is finding themselves as a very sizable underdog, anywhere between plus 190 and plus $2 is your price. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Toronto, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 220 and minus 235 with your total on game eight. Your under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And I do think that Kevin Gosman should be a sizable favorite because he has been absolutely masterful this year. I think we've went a little bit too far here. I was willing to take a plus 175 or greater with regards to the Seattle Mariners, so I'm going to be in on them, and I do expect the Blue Jays to be able to pick it up a little bit more with regards to this lineup. You take a look at what they've been able to do this season, and has been just a little bit strange to see them not being able to hit with Ben in scoring position because you got George Springer, Vlad Guerrero Jr., both are stuck on seven home runs. Both have been able to hit a 270 plus for this team, but neither has been able to do a lot with Ben in scoring position, but Bichette is hitting right around a 250 50, you expect a little bit more out of him. And Oscar Hernandez has been clearly a little bit banged up. He and Matt Chapman hitting below the middle's line of a 200. Remy Tapia on this, he's been too terrific. But you also take a look at the Seattle Mariners. It's been a hot and cold lineup for this team as well. Adam Frazier along with Julio Rodriguez, both hitting right around 265. And then you got Ty France and JP Crawford hitting a 300 plus with France, 25 RBI into what we were seeing on Tuesday. But then you got yourself... A lot of guys that they need to pick it up. Steven Sosa, Jerry Kelnick, who has not been in the fold recently, Mike Ford. You're able to throw in there so many guys, like an Abraham Toro. You're able to throw in there Cal Raleigh, Dylan Moore. A list goes on and on of guys ending at 200 or lower, and that was a big issue for them last season. And the Mariners don't necessarily have a ton of bullpen Usage to be able to back them up. They've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Drew's second rider and his has not necessarily been himself. I've always liked Anthony Michevich. Sub-2 ERA from Diego Castillo has been just all over the place this season, a north of an 8 ERA, but I do take a look at Marco Gonzalez. Does he give up a couple too many home runs? Absolutely, but command is typically on with him. 13 walks and 32 innings thus far this season. That is a little bit unsightly, but we noticed it from him in his first 6-7 starts last season, and he was able to lock it in really Pitch better as the season wound up going along. And I do think that that's going to be the case. And Kevin Gosman is showing that he is one of the most elite pitchers out there in the big leagues. But I'm sorry, but there has to be a little bit of regression as to what we're seeing right now. Maybe that wound up beginning with his start against the Tampa Bay Rays where he was just left out there a little bit too long. He did not wind up deserving to be given some of the earned runs that he did. But 45 innings and he's given up two walks and zero home runs. I mean, Kevin Gosman is terrific. This is not sustainable right here. A home runs per nine rate of literally zero, and a walks per nine rate of 0.4. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, I love Kevin Gosman, and I think that he's going to be able to lend another very good start here, but... These are not sustainable numbers ladies and gentlemen. So I did take a look at that and for the Blue Jays, it has been a trouble spot with regards to the bullpen. It's a bottom 8 bullpen ERA, even with Jordan Romano being a very good closer, a guy that has been able to give the team a double digit amount of saves, but take a look at Trevor Richards. He has a north of 4 ERA this season. Trent Thornton has been a little bit up and down for this team. David Phelps is something I like. He's got right around 3-ish ERA, but you expect a little bit more out of Yemi Garcia who is ERA is hovering right around at 4 as well. So the Blue Jays bullpen has been failing them a little bit. I do think that Marco Gonzalez is going to be able to do a better job of keeping the ball in the yard. He's given up eight home runs over the course of 32 innings as far this season. And swing swinging miss stuff has been a little bit down. I think that he's going to be able to crank that up a little bit. I think that we've just gotten a little bit too lofty here with the Toronto Blue Jays. So I'm willing to take this plus price with the Seattle Mariners. And he did wind up saying sold out at 7.3, I still think that Gosman is going to be relatively solid. And for Marco Gonzalez, I think that he's going to be a lock-in as well. So I'm looking under and I'm looking at the plus price with the Mariners. 925, 926 on the betting board. The walker Texas Rangers going to be playing against the LA Angels. Shohei Ohtani is going to be going for the Angels. And you've got Dane Gitterdunning going to be trying to get her done for the Texas Rangers. Rangers are find themselves anywhere between plus 140 and plus 146 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're looking at LA, it's anywhere between minus 155 and minus 160, with 7.5 being your total. Over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. If you're looking at the Angels run line, find that anywhere between a plus 105 to a plus 110. If it would have gotten to a plus 115, that would be a avenue I might be taking a look at, but I needed pretty much a plus 145 or greater to be able to take a shot here on Texas, and we have gotten that, so I'm going to be taking a look at the Rangers here, and with regards to Texas, Dane Dunning is just so much better at home than he is on the road. His ERA fell by nearly three points when he wound up going at home versus on the road this year. Been a little bit up and down. 406 ERA has been able to do a little bit of a better job of phoning in the in those splits. 420 road ERA, 397 home ERA, but still it's been able to do a relatively solid job of be able to lock in with regards to our contact, giving up three home runs over the course of right in the pocket of about 37 and two-thirds innings. Has been given out a couple few many free passes, 3.2 walks per nine innings, but you take a look at it. Two runs or fewer, give it up in three out of his last four starts. Swing and miss stuff has been right there. 37 strikeouts in 37 and two-thirds innings. And for Shohei Otani, this man has been absolutely magnificent with regards to pitching all season long. You take a look at it. He deserves probably a little bit better than a three and two record. And I will say, his one bad start did wind up coming against the Texas Rangers. Won three and two-thirds innings, wound up giving up six runs. So you got to figure that it, that is going to be on his mind and he's going to look to avenge that a little bit. But this is someone that has been able to do a very solid job all season. But with Shohei Otani, the one thing that you'll notice with his pitching throughout his career, it's always been much better in LA rather than on the road. Last year, as a matter of fact, he had a five oh two road ERA compared to a buck ninety five home ERA, and it wasn't necessarily because he wanted giving up more deep balls or anything like that. Just the fact that Things are a little bit more pitcher friendly when it comes to Los Angeles during the nighttime, rather than in so many other parks. Now the Texas Rangers certainly have been a little bit rough with regards to the lineup, and I mean Marcus Simeon is looking like the biggest waste of money I've ever seen in my life. This is someone that has as many home runs as myself, and he's hitting a sub bucks sub five. I mean, we need to be talking about this just being a big giant Buster Rooney of a deal, but I mean that will Say you take a look from there: Cole Calhoun, Andy Ibanez, Nick Solak, Adolis Garcia, all these guys. The <laughs> cat in between about a buck ninety to a two twenty, that has been an issue. Corey Seager, he went deep yesterday. He's got eight home runs. He's been able right around two forty, so he certainly has been able to do his job. And for the Angels, it's been no shortage of offense for the team. I mean, Taylor Ward has nearly a five hundred on base. He has been tremendous for the team. Nine home runs. Mike Trout four thirty five on base, three sixteen batting average. He's been able to do a nice job supplying the boom with nine home runs. Joey Otani sitting at two fifty. He's had a pair of home runs in the last four games, so he's been able to do a solid job there. But it's guys like Luis Rengifo along with. Matt Matt Duffy, hitting right around 255 to 270. Brandon Marsh being able to 290. That has really been a difference maker for the Angels, but with the Angels, not necessarily a great bullpen as well. You've got Aaron Lupe who's been able to do a solid job. Rossi Oglesias, Ryan Tabera, I like these guys, but when you get to Oliver Ortega along with someone like a Jimmy Hargit, these guys are not necessarily too reliable, and for the Texas Rangers, this has been a very good bullpen ever since, I would say, the first two or so weeks of the season as Brock Burke has been able to post up an ERA right around a buck 35. Joe Barlow, a sub-2 ERA. John King has been able to give you good innings, so I do think that Dane Downey is going to be able to do a good job of be able to hold down the Ford at home. I do think that Joey Otani is going to be able to deliver a nice performance as well. I did my total at 7.3 as a result, so I'm looking under. But with Texas, anything of a plus 145 or greater, I'm willing to take a shot here, and we have gotten there. So looking Rangers and looking under, 927, 928 on the betting board. You've got the Chicago White Sox. They're going to be in the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. Zach Greinke is going to be going for the Royals, and Lucas Chilito is going to be going for the White Sox. White Sox is anywhere between minus 150. And minus one sixty favorites. Meanwhile, with Kansas City, you're going to be finding them in between plus one forty and plus one fifty. With seven and a half being your total over. 70, between minus one fifteen and minus one twenty. Understanding between even and minus one hundred five. And with regards to Chicago White Sox. Set them in the spot as a minus 131 favorite. I just question what you're going to be able to get out of Lucas Giolito in the start. It's going to be his first start since so coming off of the COVID IL, so these are always a little bit of tricky spots. It's not like he wound up having a big layoff or anything like that. His last start wound up coming just a tad over a week ago, but just when you wind up throwing off a pitcher with regards to his homeostasis as typically something that you don't want to be dealing with. And for Lucas Giolito throughout his career, home and road splits have been relatively equal, so you're able to rely upon that. Has given up five bombs in twenty six thirds settings and walks have always been a little bit of an issue with Giolito. Nine walks over the course of 26 plus settings, but you take a look at Zach Cranky and No longer is this man a swing and miss guy. He's got 14 strikeouts and 38 innings this season, so that's not great, but he's also giving out less than one walk per nine innings as well. He's given up just two home runs in those 38 innings, so he's getting soft contact. He's not putting guys on cheaply. That is what you're looking for if you're the Kansas City Royals because it's been a Royals bullpen that has not been great, and I do take a look at the Royals bullpen and they've been getting a little bit unlucky. Oh, absolutely, because you've been dealing with an injury to Jake Brent's all season. Josh stamount Scott Barlow. I think that these guys are relatively solid, and Barlow has posted up a very good ERA Same amount, has been a little bit up and down this season, and Joel Pamp's he wound up having to come in for some long relief yesterday, so he's going to be out of the fold, but even with having some of these other ancillary guys like Adele and Coleman, they should be able to hold it down, and the big thing for the Royals is that they're just not doing a good job of being able to drive guys in. In Game 1 of the doubleheader yesterday, 0-12 with runners in scoring position, stranding 12 men on base. You've got Andrew Benatendi who's sitting right around 300 for the team, and Hunter Dozier to his credit. He's made it north of a 260. You still have the power of Salvador Perez. We all remember the home runs. They wound up being able to belt out last season, but that said, right now he's sitting right around the Mendoza line of 200. He, Kyle Isabel, Nikki Lopez, Carlos Santana, Whit Merrifield, all these guys hitting a 220 or lower. Certainly is a little bit of an issue for the team. Bobby Witt Jr. You're able to throw him in there as well and for the Chicago White Sox, maybe deal with some injuries. Eloy Jimenez has been out the fold for the team. Now they do wind up getting back Andrew Vaughn hitting a little bit over a 250. So maybe we'll gives the team power in the limited amount of at-bats that he's been able to have this season. Joel Moncada is now back as well, but Moncada in the couple games that he's been out there he's had his issues as he, Adam Engel, Kevin Sheets, he has Monty Grandal, along with AJ Pollock, Laurie Garcia, Josh Harrison, the towel boy, all ending at 220 or lower. And it's really been Luis Robert and Tim Anderson who have really been the concepts for being able to get on base for this team. And take a look at this White Sox bullpen. Liam Hendricks has just not been very good for the team this season. He's got 11 saves, but he's blown three of them. North of a four ERA. Kendall Graveman, up until a few nights ago, had been actually relatively solid for the team, and I do like him moving forward. Jose Ruiz, he wound up getting used up yesterday as well, so you do have quite a few tired arms. You're probably going to be needing to. Look to a little bit more of an ancillary guy like a Ryan Burr to be able to give you some innings, and he's been posting up north of a 4 ERA as well, so I do take a look at this spot and I think that's a little bit of a tricky one here for the White Sox. I was willing to take anything north of a plus 130 with the Royals, so taking a shot here on Kansas City. Set my total at an 8.3, so here at the seven half, looking over, and I'm going to be looking at the Royals, and we wrap things up with my DK Nation pick 929-930 on the bang board. The Cleveland Guardians are going to be playing OC Cincinnati Reds. We are the Cincinnati, and they're on Tyler Molly getting the start for them. Meanwhile, Cal Quantrill going to be going for the Guardians. Guardians are anywhere between minus 127 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, since it today, it's anywhere between plus 115 and plus 125 with seven and half to eight being your total on the seven and half overs. Anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even and minus 105. And with the eight unders minus 120, the overs even set the Guardians at minus 154 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, because the Reds in their last 20 losses, 18 of them have come by multiple runs, you're able to get that anywhere between a plus 165 to a plus 170. I think that you've got a very, very good look here on the run line. I personally, for DK Nation, I'm going to be giving out the money line since it's not necessarily too juicy, but I will not discourage you from taking a look at the run line in this spot, that's for sure. Especially with the way that the Reds have just said their pitching in general completely failed them. They've got a team ERA that's nearly a full point higher than any other team out there in the big leagues. Now, they were able to do a pretty masterful job towards the beginning of the game yesterday against the Cleveland Guardians and then, you know what, the bullpen wound up having their issues because Art Warren completely stinks. He's got a 7-11 ERA, so he's always open to giving up runs and he's now knocked out for today, so good job there from him. Tony San Has not necessarily been too terrific for this team. Honor Strickland, who it feels like is 500 years old. He's got north of a 6 ERA as well. And take a look at Tyler Molly. You wound up having a 230 Road ERA last season. He was actually very good away from Cincinnati. But I mean, this year, home, road, planet Pluto, it does not matter. This guy has not been good got a 650 roadie area in his four starts. Overall, a 589 area. He's given up just three home runs in 36 and two-thirds innings, but it's the walks. 18 walks in 36 and two-thirds innings. is able to get some good swing and miss stuff, but you do take a look at this Cleveland Guardians Seamen they've been able to do an absolutely masterful job of be able to get on base. You take a look at him. You've got Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez, Owen Miller, along with Andres Jimenez, and you even take a look at a little bit of a younger guy in Richie Palacios. All these guys hitting a 333 with regards to their base or greater. Pretty much all these guys have been able to at least a 270 with regards to batting average as well. It's been a little bit of a tough year for Fran Mel Reyes along with Oscar Mercado, but you've been able to have Ramirez give you north of 30 RBI this season. And for the Guardians, this is a relatively solid bullpen of their own as well. Emmanuel Klaas, Trevor Steven, both wound up getting used up yesterday, but still, you've got a guy like a Nick Sandlin who's been able to do a solid job of being able to hold down the fort for this team. You even take a look at someone a little bit lower in the pecking order, like a Sam Hentages, who has had experience with being able to go multiple innings. Buck 29 ERA this season. He has been rock solid for this team. And for the Cincinnati rise, this has actually been a good lineup as well. Brandon Drury has been able to do a nice job. Of being able to put back to ball right around 320 on base. Seven home runs. Mike has wound up being a little bit banged up towards the beginning of the season. He's hitting a 260. Trevor Steven, he's got right around 20-ish RBI. He's hitting well above a threat. Taylor Naquin has been able to keep the line moving as well. So, I do take a look at this spot. I do think that it's going to be a little bit higher scoring, even though Cal Quantrill has been able to do a very solid Job with regards to this Guardian team. You take a look at him, 393 ERA, but he has been the victim of giving up a couple unearned runs. He has given up three runs or fewer in now 19 out of his last 20 pitching appearances overall. So, it's done a nice job to be able to hold down the fort. Does need to work on the walks, 14 walks in 34 and a third innings, but has also given up just two home runs. Not a guy that's going to get a lot of strikeouts. He's averaging right around six punch outs per nine innings, but very much. Good pitch to contact guy. I think that he's going to be able to do a solid job in this spot of being able to keep the Reds fast pretty much at bay. And I think that Molly is going to get to the once again. DK Nation pick is going to be on the Guardians on the money line once again do not discourage you from taking the run line as well and with regards to total I did wind up saying my total at an 8.7 so I'm going to be taking a look at it over as well and that we wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show now part of the Visa and Family and podcast a big thanks to mid-major Matt a.k.a. Matt Josephs, for joining me in the last segment if you do like returning from this five podcast Baseball Betting Show you're able to subscribe wherever you do podcasts Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify Stitcher and tune if you've got a question comment segment idea what I have you for this podcast you do have one of two ways we have this in first one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore D. Keep in mind, letters, see him. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other ways is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. by that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means i am coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
0: Call 1-800-GAMBLER.